thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 118 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking about aches and pains that so many runners experience. Why are they there? What can we do about them? And more importantly, how do we prevent them? Because no one likes feeling hurt or achy or injured. And so today we're going to talk about what to do in order to prevent all of that. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I went to yoga, as I like to do on Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings, I love to go out for a long run and then have some coffee and then go to a yoga class. That's never happened to me. Oh, I love it. It's the best. It's one of my favorite ways to spend my Saturday morning outside of like my family. But... So anyway, we went to the yoga class and then like the next day or the a couple of days later, one of my running friends said, are you really sore like throughout your chest? Like I feel like we were doing a lot of like press ups and stuff during yoga on Saturday. And I jokingly said to her, I don't know. I'm just, I live my life sore. I'm not, I'm just always sore. <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of laughed at me and she's like, wait, seriously? And I'm like, um, kind of like. To an extent, yes, but... You're always operating at like a 4 out of 10. Like what number are you putting yourself at on, oh, on pain know. threshold? I don't here? know. We're not going to talk about pain levels as far <laughs> as that goes. But I think that like as runners, this is something that a lot of us experience. A lot of us experience aches and pains on a re- relatively regular basis. I mean, if your body, if you're trying to get stronger and you're trying to challenge yourself, you you end up sore a lot. Well, I mean, to, to actually legitimately challenge yourself, you have to break the muscle down. Like right. you can't build it up until you break it down. Mm-hmm. I know there've been plenty of workouts and races. Certainly the first marathon I ever ran, I just laid on the floor the next day. You found me that afternoon. <laughs> I, I was still on the floor. Unable to get up. I could not move. <laughs> I, I finally made it. I think on onto campus uh, somewhere around like four thirty in the afternoon because mm-hmm, you had it. to go to the dining hall to eat probably. I think so. I yeah. think actually I had a, an assignment that needed to get turned in by five. So oh, I think by four okay. thirty I had finally like started moving. Yeah, you weren't going to the dining hall at that point. It was senior year. No, no, no. It was like four thirty, and uh, I interestingly I passed somebody else who like I I had run with. They were they were also on the cross country team, and um, he was. Uh, like he had graduated, but was back on campus, like visiting Doing friends a graduate and stuff. Degree or something. No, no, like he was back visiting friends. Oh, okay, um, but he had also run the Chicago Marathon the day before, mm-hmm. and he was just casually walking down the sidewalk. Yeah. and I am just limping. Everything on me is just like throbbing, and I'm like Ryan. I know you ran yesterday, and I know that you ran about 45 or 50 minutes faster than me. Mm-hmm. How are you moving so well? Yeah, and he kind of looked at me. He goes. Um, I'm in better shape than you. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I I joke, I said it jokingly, but I do like a lot of days I am sore, but I think that that's, and I, sometimes I tell my patients this too, like in a lot of ways, that's a sign that you're doing it correctly. Like, because in order to get stronger, you do have to challenge yourself to the point where you are breaking those muscles down and when you do that you are going to be sore the next day like 
for one to two days after. There's a thing called delayed onset of muscle soreness. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. If you're running downhill. Doms. Doms. Yep. Dom. Dum dum. Doms. Yeah, that was like one that we loved talking about in physical therapy school. But um, you know, it, it is a real thing. You know, when you are trying to to get stronger, when you're lifting weights or strength training or running really hard, especially if you're starting into speed for the first time, like you're going to be sore and that's kind of part of what goes along with this. But it's when those aches and pains, like when the soreness turns more into pain, that's it becomes more problematic. Which is subtle, especially if you're kind of new to this whole thing of like, is this painful or am I simply sore? Like, is this yeah. how it's supposed to feel? I don't feel great, but... It's not like a stabbing pain. I'm not sure like what I'm really dealing with here. Yeah. It's it's the uncomfortableness. Right. And this is another discussion that I have with my patients all the time because it's like the the difference between pain and soreness. Like there is a difference because like a lot of times I'll have patients that come in and they haven't exercised for years, 20, 30 years, some of them, you know, depending on how old they are. And I'll have the conversation with them the whole time that basically, you know, a lot of times when you start a new exercise program, you will be sore. You are now challenging muscles that you haven't worked in a very long time. And when you do that, soreness is to be expected. But there's a difference between soreness and like sharp, throbbing kinds of pain. Well, and the same thing happens with runners. Even if you've been running for years and years, when you add something new to the running, yeah. when you add in you know, a strength routine that you're not used to, mm-hmm. or shoot, you add in the yoga after your Saturday mm-hmm. long run, yeah. if you're not used to throwing that in or certain types of speed, like new things into the routine are going to add new new levels of soreness yeah. because you're challenging new muscles. For sure. Like Even my yoga class last week, So that was a couple of weeks ago that that conversation happened. But my yoga class this past weekend was a different instructor than our normal one. Our our normal lady was out of town, I guess, or just wasn't able to make it for some reason. So she had a substitute. And this lady just did different sequences. Like she did, and it was a little bit more challenging than the typical, um, you know, yoga that we do on the Saturday morning because she, our our normal teacher does challenge kind of all levels, but does try to keep it pretty beginner friendly because she's trying to encourage more beginners to come out. Um, But my hips were really sore the next day because we were doing a lot of like single leg poses, a lot of balance poses, a lot of twisting kinds of poses. And I am strong, but my body's just not used to doing those things, you know? So I'm challenging those muscles in different ways and to stabilize for longer periods of time or doing it a little differently. And so anytime you change it up like that, some soreness is usually pretty likely. Yeah. So from a running perspective, how come running gets you so sore? It seems essentially like walking, just quicker. This should be like a normal general activity that you're kind of used to, and yet running causes all sorts of soreness. Oh, yeah. Especially when you start picking up the speed. Yes, for sure. I mean, running is a very complex movement. Like running requires extensive coordination of the muscles throughout the entire body. Like there's not just one muscle that you're working during running. You're pretty much working them all. Right, which is... what makes it kind of interesting is you're basically using everything head to toe mm-hmm. like if you're doing it correctly if you're doing it correctly <laughs> um yeah you can you can avoid certain muscles and then your form looks a little funky and hiccupy but mm-hmm. you're generally using all of them because you've got to have arms and legs swinging in harmony with each other otherwise you're you're falling off to one side or and the you other look like phoebe that's a true story <laughs> um 
you you got your core giving all sorts of stability. And when I say core, not just like, you know, the six pack that's in there somewhere under within everybody. It's all in there. It's in there. It's in there. Um, but everything like wrapped all the way around front to back and hips and everything basically from like your ribs down to, you know, in all up in the hips and, and glutes and everything. <laughs> and all up in the, all up in all this up whole in area. This area. <laughs> This region. You guys should see Kevin's hands. They're like flying all over the place right now, pointing to muscles and, you know, here and there and all everywhere. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I mean, your six pack muscle isn't really even the main muscle of stability. Like no. that's just, you know, the one that everybody wants it's to just see. just there for the beach. It's just there for the beach. <laughs> yes, exactly. But like all the ones that wrap around and go here and there and here everywhere, and there. you know, that's, those that, are the ones that are more important. That are actually providing <laughs> stability because your right. arms and legs are flying all over the place. I mean, there's some coordination to them, but you got arms and legs moving all over, so you need the core to actually... I'm just like visualizing you now like, running, running with your like hands and legs flapping all over the place and stabilizing here, there, and everywhere. As you run, both arms are moving and both legs are moving. So everything right. in the middle, like your torso, has to provide stability for four limbs moving simultaneously. Yes, four limbs. Moving around in all different directions, but hopefully they're moving front to back because if done properly, running is a very beautiful thing when done fluidly. You know, your your arms should be moving in opposition to one another, like one forward and one back, and your legs should be moving in the opposite direction as the corresponding arm so that your, ba- your body stays balanced because running you know, should be that fluid motion. And if you don't have the proper strength, if you're not strong enough to stabilize the, the muscles like through that midsection, then you're not going to have as fluid of the motion. You're not going to have the, the strong and upright posture to, to hold yourself in that strong position. So you are going to have more wear and tear, more aches and pains in, in various random spots throughout the body. Right. The, the running step is actually ridiculously complicated when they were trying to like make machines that can walk like people. Mm. It was really, really hard because there are so many parts moving simultaneously mm-hmm. just to take a single step mm-hmm. and it's like well this muscle has to contract while this one relaxes and they're trying to put it all into a machine that just mm-hmm. has like three parts it's like well actually in your leg there's like 75 parts that right. are all doing things simultaneously mm-hmm. and in perfect coordination with each other because they've been doing it since you started walking mm-hmm. yeah exactly and so you know this is part of the issue of why strength and coordination makes a really big difference in your running because when you run you're essentially putting around three times your body weight down like the force of three times your body weight with each step gets transferred up and through your body so if those muscles aren't strong and if you're not performing this motion in a very fluid way that's a lot of force that's 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 hitting your body and then Basically what happens is that your body and your muscles have to then react. So instead of just like nicely absorbing the force and kind of dissipating it and kind of distributing it throughout the body, it's more of a jarring force on the body that the muscles have to kind of say like, whoa, what's happening? I have to protect myself. And so then they have to stabilize against a force instead of control the motion moving you forward. So it's just like a lot of muscles that are like overactive just to try to stabilize you instead of actually actually doing the task of running that you're trying to do. Right, because 
when you land, some of the muscles are supposed to be relaxed. That's that's what helps the, the run look fluid. If you mm-hmm. try and land with all of your muscles tense, it's going to be super, super jarring to your body. Yeah. It's the same thing of like, you know, when people are in a car crash, you, you everyone's well, the people who seem to be relaxed in the car have less issues because they almost like float through the car. But the people who saw the car accident coming, they're like, they out of the side of their yeah. eye saw that they were about to get hit and they tensed up. Mm-hmm. They get hurt more. Mm-hmm. People who didn't see it coming at all they their body just moves you know, it's a similar thing when you when you have a running position every time you land you all of your muscles are contracted it's going to hurt and it's it's that next step is going to look more awkward so there's a combination of muscles that are contracting and firing and getting you ready to step mm-hmm. and other ones that are relaxed so that it lands softly and smoothly right and so you can probably see why if you are a more tense runner you're probably going to have more of those aches and pains versus someone that just kind of goes with the flow essentially you it's know like kind of it. kind of absorbs the forces and moves forward and doesn't waste excess energy just trying to stabilize their body like so if your form isn't fluid and if your muscles aren't strong then you're essentially wasting a lot of energy just trying to stabilize and that can lead to increased amounts of soreness aches pains and then injury down the road if those continue yeah, this uh, this is one of my friends when I was in high school. The uh, the other captain when I was a senior actually um, had really smooth running form, especially when we would run on trails. He could shoot downhill because one, he had no fear of falling down the hill, uh-huh. and he was just so quick on his landing that if he landed on a rock, it didn't really matter because that foot was off the ground so quickly for mm-hmm. his next step. So he looked so smooth going down the hill. I was fine if we were running together on a flat surface, but going downhill, his form was just so smooth mm-hmm. that he could just glide down the hill. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost like he's like drifting or gliding, well, right? He skied all the time, so he had no uh... fear going downhill, whereas I was always terrified that I was going to hit a root and then just tumble 300 feet. Yeah. Like, he was like, all right, So you, well, you were on, like, high alert and guard. Right, yeah. so all of my... I was far more tense going down the hill, which then makes downhill running, which is already kind of jarring on the body... Not kind of... Ex- Extra jarring on the body for me. But it's one of the big challenges of the Boston Marathon is not the giant hill at the end of the race, but all of the downhill at the beginning of the race. Your legs are all beat up because you've been running downhill, and then they throw uphills on the back end of the Mm -hmm. course. Yeah, it definitely makes it tough. So I'm glad you bring up racing because I think that racing is a really good um, visual. Like it's a very good visual for us to see this in action. So like, have you ever run a race and basically felt amazing? But then, like, Kevin could hardly move the next day. Like, after he ran his first Chicago Marathon in college after not training for a month before it, (laughs) he could not move the next day. And and part of that is because his muscles were so overworked during that race um, that he really, really felt it the next day. You broke down a lot of muscles and did not recover well. No, I did not recover well at all. But, like, you can kind of watch sometimes, like, the progression throughout the race too like especially if you're at a big race like Chicago that has a lot of pictures throughout like yeah, if they do a this, good job with I think this one's funny racing pictures like if you ever look at your racing pictures throughout the course of a race you're probably going to 
look a little bit better in the beginning than you do towards the end when you're more fatigued. Like a lot of people notice that like in the beginning, they've got smiles on their faces and, you know, they're looking good. They've got their shoulders back. They've got a better posture. And then more towards the end of the race, as they are fatigued, their shoulders are more forward. They're kind of hunched forward. They're taking smaller steps. Their knees are collapsed towards the inside. Their feet are kicking out towards the outside to bounce those up. Arms are completely across the body at Mm -hmm. this point in time. It's really anything that you can that is going to continue to propel yourself forward. Right, exactly. So like as your body fatigues and as your muscles fatigue, you you just can't maintain that same posture and form like you did at the beginning of the race. And this is the reason that training is so important because a lot of people will go in and they're like, oh, I don't need to train. I'll, I'll just go in and I'll run the race. So like, oh, it's only a 5K. Oh, it's only a 10K. It's only a half marathon, whatever it might be. Like I've had friends that literally go into races without training for them and then they wonder why they feel like they got hit by a truck the next day and it's because they didn't train like it takes time for your body to build up the strength and the endurance to hold yourself up stabilize yourself and then propel yourself forward for that length of time regardless of what that length of time is right it's amazing what the mind can allow the body to do yeah without a a proper level of training well that's part of partly adrenaline you know in in a race environment like you get so much adrenaline that you're gonna finish the race but how do you feel and how do you look while you're doing it in the <laughs> How do you feel day? the next day? Yeah, exactly. Or the one after. Like, can can <laughs> right. you actually go downstairs? Because I, I did, was not able to go downstairs mm-hmm. for like a week after, after that race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, that's where it, it becomes a, more of a problem is like I'll tell my patients, like, if you're sore for like one to two days after a workout, that's normal. When it starts to get into like three, four, five, or more days that the soreness is still there, then that means that we've, we've overdone it. You yeah. know, that means that you need more recovery and we need to pull back on what we're doing. And that probably, that wasn't exactly sore, especially that first day was probably not sore. That first day was pain. That mm-hmm. was legit pain that you were dealing with, which... I think that it's it's a blend. Like it's it's not like this is soreness over here and over there is pain. Like it's a progression and mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere along that line it it transitions from soreness to pain and I think it kind of alters from person to person probably. Totally. And it's a very blurry line. There's no there's not like a clear set line no. like you said. It's it's basically a continuum and as runners that, you know, many runners are very like type A types of people. They want to push themselves. They want to achieve more. They want to challenge themselves. They want to get better. They're going to keep pushing. You know, they're going to say, oh, I'm sore, but you know what? It's just, it's just soreness. I'm going to keep pushing. And they, they don't know when they cross that border from soreness into pain because they're just going to push through it. Right. Cause it's just a blurry line. You just keep kind of pushing into the blurry area and you're mm-hmm. like, eh, it's gray. Yeah. I'll just keep going here. I'll live here. And if you live in that sort of gray, sore, maybe pain, maybe still soreness area for too long, eventually mm-hmm. something's going to break down. Right. Because ultimately it's, you know, I've, I've heard the phrase, which I think is actually pretty good that, you know, there's no such thing as overtraining. There's just lack of recovery. And, and there, I think that's, that's a good way of putting it for the most part. You know, I mean, there are times I do think that you can overtrain, but like it, it is very much related to the amount of recovery that you're getting. 
because it's in recovery that your muscles actually build back stronger. So if you're getting inadequate recovery, you're essentially not allowing your body to rebuild itself back to the baseline and then even past the baseline to a point where you're getting stronger, you're just, you're breaking it down and then you're adding more load, which is breaking it down further. So then you're adding more load, which is breaking it down further. So if you don't actually get the recovery time, you're not ever actually getting stronger. Yeah. Instead of breaking and and building back bigger and stronger, you're Mm -hmm. breaking and then breaking the broken part. Yeah, exactly. No no one wants to break the broken part. No. It's a terrible spiral that you just get into. And it's really hard to dig out of because the digging out of it, like what got you there was putting in all this work. And the only way to really get out of it is to not put in a whole lot of work. It's just straight up rest and recovery. And there's some stuff that you can do during this portion, but none of it is like, all right, well, and now go for an easy run. Like you just need to actually get some rest on the body. Yeah. Depending on how much you actually damage yeah, the how, body. How far down you yeah, took it. Exactly. So you know, now we're going to kind of transition over into talking about those things that you can do to treat the aches and pains that you have, and then also to prevent them in the future, which is really the the most important thing. And when, when we go into this, you know, the thing that I want to point out is that sometimes the things that we're going to talk about right now is going, they're, they're going to cause aches and pains. Um, <laughs> You know, we're going to get into some mobility work. We're going to get into some strength training. We're going to get into some discussion about these kinds of things. Um, But like we said, sometimes those things create soreness. They create those achy feelings. Like if you've ever done a really tough leg workout, you're going to probably notice that it's hard to get on and off the toilet the next day. And that is a sign that your body is getting stronger. So you then have to listen to your body at that point in time and not then follow it up with another hard workout. Like so the importance of recovery really needs to be stressed here. Yeah, leg day tends not to be followed up with like a speed workout the next day. That's usually a bad combo. Usually a bad combo. Okay, so what should we do about these aches and pains to really try to prevent them in the long run and especially prevent them from turning into like an injury or sometime that we actually have to take off time from running in order to recover from what we're doing to ourselves, okay? All right, so the first place to start here is mobility work, which um, very good, careful choice of words here is mobility work. And I'm going to send it back to you and say, can you explain the difference between flexibility and mobility? Sure. Um, So typically flexibility is what we think of when we think about the actual length of the muscles, okay? So flexibility is having the adequate amount of length in your muscles and your tendons and your tissues to perform the the motions that you want to perform. So in this case, running, okay? Mobility tends to refer more to the actual joints. Um, There is such a thing as like tissue mobility and that refers more to the way that the tissues like glide and slide on each other because muscles are made up of fibers and those fibers when the muscles contract those fibers slide and glide on each other so that's more tissue mobility so the mobility is actually like the movement and the flexibility is the actual like length of 
the structures like whether or not you have enough length in the structures in order to move the way you want to and mobility is more of do you have the proper like rolling gliding sliding are you moving correctly like do you have the right amount of motion i think that's an excellent job of explaining and way way better than i could do thank you doctor okay thank you (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so i mean the the reason that it's important to know the difference between flexibility and mobility and to think about this in your training plan is because if you don't have enough mobility or flexibility, but pretty much mobility is um, showing up to be more of the limiting factor for most people, especially in the research right now. There's a lot of research on mobility versus flexibility that, you know, it used to be like, oh, you got to stretch before you run or you got to stretch after you run because if you're not flexible enough, then you're going to get injured, right? I mean, that's, that was what my coach always said. All right, Mm -hmm. we're going to come out to practice and then we're going to stretch for 10 minutes and then we'll all go off on a run. And when we finish, then we're going to stretch for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. That's just what you did at the start and end of practice. Right. But the truth is you don't need a lot of flexibility for running. Okay. Mm -hmm. Running is not a sport that is known for lots of flexibility. Like if you're talking about gymnastics or swimming or other types of sports, that then you might be talking about something different here. I mean, even the difference between distance running and sprinting. Sprinting still doesn't have as much as something like gymnastics, certainly, but there's a greater range of motion in a sprinting stride than there is in a distance runner right yeah distance runners you know have a much shorter stride a much shorter range smaller range of motion that they're going through so most runners will probably have enough flexibility I mean you may or may not you know a lot of people think about the hamstrings when it comes to flexibility Um, if they can't bend down and touch their toes they're like oh I need to stretch my hamstrings Um, that sometimes is a little bit limiting in runners but to be honest like you your hamstrings have to be pretty short in order to actually limit you in the running motion um most runners probably have adequate flex hamstring flexibility but if you're you're not quite sure one test that you can do is to like lie on your back hold the back of your knee and then try to straighten your knee and kind of see um basically the angle of your hip when you are able to get your knee fully straight and, and kind of see how, how much, how tight your hamstrings actually are. Mine are absurdly tight. But you still, even when we did this test for you. I still passed the You like, still the passed test. the test, right? Because you still had 70 degrees of hip flexion, even though you feel like your hamstrings were tight. Yes. And, and at 70 degrees, I felt as though my leg was about to just get torn off. But apparently that is, uh, that is the sign that I have just enough. Adequate. I have adequate. Yes. You have adequate muscle length and flexibility in your hamstrings to perform the running motion. Um, another muscle that, um, tends to be tight in runners is the Achilles. Well, that's not the muscle. The Achilles is the tendon. Um, But your gastrocnemius and your soleus, which are the two main muscles in your calf. So your calf muscles in a lot of runners can be tight. Um, And and stretching those, making sure that you have an an adequate amount of flexibility and length in those can be something that some people will need to address. Especially if you're prone towards running on midfoot or toes. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to have a tighter tighter calf and tighter Achilles. So, but flexibility for the most part is probably not as limiting to most people as mobility is. I mean, mobility actually tends to put in restrictions of your your leg, especially if you're more mobile on one side than the other, Mm -hmm. that a leg can't move through even as a smaller range of motion 
that, that running is if it can't fluidly move through the entire range, especially from one side versus the other, your run just doesn't look smooth because it's, it's very asymmetric. And if your legs aren't moving symmetrically, then your arms are also not going to move symmetrically because they try and, you know, counterbalance the weight of your legs moving. And so now you look like your arms are kind of funky. And so, you know, I've seen some of our athletes and I'm like, oh, well, their left arm's moving way more than their right arm. So I try and work on them to fix their arms. And then suddenly their hip is hurting. You're like, oh, that's because your arms were actually the thing that was helping to balance out your legs. So mm-hmm. if I don't let your arms do that movement to balance your legs, then your hip starts hurting. Mm-hmm. So, okay, just go run. Right. Well, and that's part of the issue with form correction a lot of times is that like if you're not correcting the root of the problem, if you're not correcting the right thing, it can lead to more aches and pains because the body naturally tries to protect itself and tries to rebalance itself. So if there is a weakness, like you said, if there's a weakness in one area or a lack of mobility in one area, the body's going to compensate for that somehow. And it's going to do that by changing the form in some way. And then if you try to change that, then it's no longer able to compensate in the same way. So it's going to be stressing different things differently. Yeah. I forget who the professional athlete was, 800 meter runner. And his right arm had this like whipping motion as he ran. Mm -hmm. It looked so terrible. You're Mm -hmm. like, how is that? There's no way that he could be good and have this form. And he was Olympic caliber runner and his right arm just constantly whipped. Like every stride, it would go out to the side and then crack back in towards the inside. And it's because when he was younger, he broke that arm Mm. and continued to run with the weight of a cast on it. And so he couldn't take it through the normal motion. And for a while, he was basically flinging this cast around as he would run around a track and try and hit the turns. And so that form just stuck with him. Mm. And it was like, you know, you know, coaches had tried to fix that form and they got to a point where it was just like, all right, that's going to be what your arm does. Right. Let's just get you as fast as we can. And that's going to be what your form is. Because he was successful with it. Right. So it's like one of the old things, you know, the old adage of if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And like, if it is broke, then you got to address it. Like if, if you are getting injured, that's something that you have to kind of figure out what the heck is going on. So we're not telling you that you should go out and try to change your running form if you don't have any problems. You know, if you don't have any aches and pains, if you don't have any injuries and you're going out, even if you don't look like an elite marathon runner, that's okay. Like you're going to have form differentiations between, you know, from person to person, there's going to be these things that look different. You know, every runner is going to look different and run differently. And if it's working for you, there's really no need to change it. When it stops working for you, when you start having more aches, pains, and injuries, that's when we have to start kind of looking for these things to try to figure out what's going on. And a lot of times mobility is one of the culprits. All right. So how do we actually address mobility? I mean, because I think one of the one of the good ideas with mobility is making sure that you have a starting point of trying to figure out where you actually have lack of mobility. You know, I go back to my high school days of, well, we were always just told to be flexible. So I know I can't bend over and touch my toes. I know that if I put my calf onto a curb, I can feel whether my calves are feeling tight or not feeling tight, whatever that, you know, that sensation to the body is. Mm -hmm. But most people, if you say, does this joint feel mobile enough? Like my elbow feels mobile enough. My knee feels mobile enough, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure how to actually test this thing. So how do we go about figuring out whether we have appropriate mobility. Well, especially when it comes to joints, the best way to to do that is to see a professional. Like I I would suggest a physical therapist. Obviously I am one. um, So I do have a lot of respect for our profession, but that's, that's really 
you know, one of the best ways to figure out if you do have the uh, proper amount of joint mobility. There are um, self-tests that you can go through. And if you are a member of our Real Life Runners Training Academy, we have videos of those tests for you to do on your on yourself, you know, to check out and see, do you have the proper amount of ankle motion? Do you have the proper amount of hip motion? Those are really the two main joints that are typically restricted um, with mobility when it comes to running. It is really the ankle and the hip, more more so the ankle, um, whether or not you have enough dorsiflexion, which is the, the foot coming up, like if you're um, keeping your heel on the ground and lifting the front of your foot and your toes, that's dorsiflexion. Um, that's usually what's limited in, in a lot of runners. And you can tell that um, there's there are tests, like I said, but one of the ways that you can test it is that if you are stretching your calves, if you feel um, like a almost like a block in the front of your ankle instead of in the back, like in the muscle of your calves, then that can be one indication that you might not have enough joint mobility in the ankle. Um, but and, and then the other test is hip extension typically. Like most of the time people have enough hip flexion. Some people are limited in hip flexion, but hip extension, um, which is the leg kicking behind you, that is one of the things that a, a lot of runners are limited in. I believe there's the video of me failing that one. Yes, we do have. <laughs> no, we, it's not that you failed it, but you showed that you did have a little bit, a little limit in, I, in I'm your I'm limited, hip but I'm more, I'm limited in the right leg more than I am in the left, which puts, which is the asymmetry. And right. If you ever want watch a video of me running from straight on I am slightly asymmetric and it's because my one leg is more limited when I kick back behind right and that changes your arm swing too like your arms don't swing symmetrically either right. which is the funniest thing because I never noticed how off my arms were because most of the times if people take pictures of you running it's always from like the side so you mm -hmm. can't quite see the symmetry but if I run on a treadmill I put a different sweat pattern on one side of the treadmill than the other. Really? Based off of like exactly where my arms go. The, oh, that's funny. The drops of water coming off my right arm hit about six inches off from the drops of water coming off my huh. left arm. And it's, I guarantee it's because my arms are swinging in That's slightly really different directions. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, whenever I look at you run, I always marvel at you know <laughs> <laughs> the your how fast you are and just how fluid and 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 graceful I think you look but I definitely notice it at towards the end of the race I can tell when you're tired oh, yeah. you know like I can definitely tell when you're starting to get tired I'm like oh he's struggling right now and it's like a lot of times you're kind of cocked over to the side yep. your arms are swinging a little different but you do tend to like lean one way versus the other, which is, and that's kind of where it becomes more of an issue is like when that mobility, flexibility, strength, you know, when it, when it's different from one side to another, then your, the forces are being distributed unequally in the body. And so one side is usually getting more wear and tear than the other. And then that can lead to injuries. So if you've ever seen pictures of yourself running and you look very asymmetric, that might be time to talk to a physical therapist mm -hmm. and see what joints are actually messing with you because they're going to be much more able to figure out, you know, all the different joints and what 
which one's limited and not just limited, but like what's the limits on one side versus the other? Mm -hmm. Like even if both sides are totally mobile, but one of them is more mobile than the other, that's still causing some asymmetry. And that might be something that you need to work on. Right. And this is one of the benefits of stretching and of yoga particularly. And this is one of the reasons that I love doing yoga because it works on the mobility of the joints and, and you, by doing these poses and putting your body in these different positions, which for a lot of people, especially runners are very awkward positions to go into a lot of the times by doing that, you kind of figure out where your restrictions lie and, and being just being aware of that is half the battle or even more than half the battle. Oh, a yeah. lot of times, you know, just feeling like, you know what, my right hip is a lot tighter than my left hip. Like when I go into pigeon pose. Like pigeon pose is like, you know, such a great stretch, but it's, it really basically looks at the amount of hip external rotation that you have. And so if that's different between your right and your left, let you know, okay, well, I really should try to work on the side that's a little bit tighter to try to make it match better, or at least get closer to the opposite side. Which leads to a thing that you've, you've told some of the kids on the team of, they shouldn't even stretch some of their muscles. Some of them, yeah. Like there are some things where it's like, okay, do this stretch, but only do it on your right leg. Don't do any of this stretch on your left leg. And it's usually more of joint mobility that you're working for. Like there's the one kid on the team who's not allowed to do pigeon pose because Mm -hmm. she's so lax in that joint that it's like, okay, this, you're just going to put yourself over the top. You're Mm -hmm. already super flexible there. You don't need it. Super mobile there. Right. Because she was a, a dancer, you know, she has a history of dancing. And so her joints were already so mobile that she didn't need to work on her mobility. She really needed to work on her stability. Like she needed to work on the strength and the stabilization portion, not the, not the stretching and the mobilization portion. She was totally fine in those arenas. And this is one of those times where more is not always better. Like having more mobility or more flexibility doesn't always serve you. And in some cases, if it goes too far, like if the pendulum swings too far in that direction, it can actually be a negative thing. Which I think transitions nicely into the strength side. Yes. Because the strength sometimes counteracts the the excessive mobility mm-hmm. because it, it provides the stability right. to all the muscles kind of being attached there. Right, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why strength training is important. So to help deal with, you know, your aches and pains, like, like we said, mobility is important. Flexibility is somewhat important. Strength training and the strength of your muscles is hugely important. Like if you get nothing else from this podcast, please understand that you need to be incorporating some form of strength training in your weekly routine. Right. And I mean, yoga is a a solid way of putting this in depending on what the yoga session is. Mm -hmm. And then it's a way to cover both mobility and the strength session as well. Mm -hmm. Some runners are almost like fearful of heading off to the gym. Other runners could be complete gym rats. Like it just completely depends on the the personality of whoever you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of different options out there when you're strength training. And so there are people that go off and they're, you know, well, I'm a runner. I just really need to run. And so uh, strength training seems complicated. Should I be doing body weights? Is it heavy weights? Like, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? I don't even know. So I'm just going to go keep running. Right. And I mean, this is the thing is like, even in super elite runners, strength training, sometimes like it, sometimes it's favored and sometimes it's not favored. Like right now it's, it's a big thing. Okay. Like a lot of 
what is coming out in the literature and in even just the common literature. Like if you, if you like to read runner's world or the different online running blogs or things like that, like everybody is in favor of strength training right now. And I'm going to go ahead and throw my hat right in that ring because I believe that strength training is essential. However, like Kevin just said, there's a lot of different kinds of strength training. I don't believe that all runners need to be in the gym like doing, you know, one rep max types of like Olympic lifts and those kinds of things. Now, there are strength and conditioning coaches out there that will tell you that that's what you should be doing as a runner. No, completely. But there's there's a wide variety. The key is to try and avoid what I like to refer to as the unathletic runner, mm-hmm. um, the runner who purely runs and they're good with that straight line that form their their form with a limited range of motion and they're good with that yeah and it's it's a stereotype of the runner who's not an athlete i think the runner is very much an athlete mm-hmm. but there are runners that don't do any strength that that don't worry about any of that aspect um they just run mm-hmm. you know there was a story this is from years years back of um it was a group of elite athletes like marathon you know, world-class caliber athletes, and they were trying to get them to do how many push-ups can you do to, um, to complete fatigue. Okay. And the answer was like two. Oh, geez. How many pull-ups can you do? Zero. You can run like a four minute mile in a marathon. I mean, you're, you're looking at like people who are somewhere between 210 and 215 for a marathon and they were doing like two, maybe three Mm push-ups. They couldn't do any Mm pull-ups. And you know, the pendulum's kind of swung back the other direction. Like at that time, it was like, ah, don't do strength training. You don't want to build up any extra bulk because mm-hmm. that's just extra weight that you're going to have to carry through the race. Right. And now it's swinging back the other direction of like, no, you want to make sure that you're strong enough that you can make it through the entire race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think that it ever needs to swing all like... I don't think the best answer is at either extreme. Right. I think somewhere in the middle, but it at like the highest elite level, they're always trying to push the envelope. So they're always going towards one extreme or the other. Right. Let's really accentuate strength training and see what that gets us. Or nope, that didn't work. Let's completely eliminate all strength training and mm-hmm. see what happens there. Right. And if you've listened to this show for a while, you probably know that we are not fans of anything extreme. Like we do advocate moderation in pretty much most things because really that's what's going to set you up for that long-term success and as real life runners we are not the elite athletes that are trying to push the envelope every single day and try to squeeze out one second in you know per mile in order to like hit a world record or an olympic record or whatever it might be that you know the elites are really shooting for it where every second matters and and in those cases a lot of times like you said they're trying to hold as little weight as possible and they just saw the muscle as extra stuff that was weighing them down but like if you ever looked at some of those elite runners that subscribe to that kind of mindset they don't look healthy like they don't look athletic they look some some of them kind of look sick. Yeah, I mean it's it's the difference between how fit are you versus how healthy are you. Yes, and I feel like you know everyone listening to this podcast falls into the category of they want to look as healthy as possible. They want to be as healthy, and yeah, maybe it is important to you. Maybe you're you're aiming for you know trying to break two in the, in the half marathon or trying to hit a Boston qualifier, and the time it, the time matters. Yeah, but. At the at the end of the day, if you really sat down before you hit the starting line, before it was like before you've got a couple miles to go and you're checking the checking the watch, if someone said what matters more to you, the time when you cross the finish line or your health for the next ten years, 
I'm guessing that that our listening audience, the answer is all going to fall into, I want to be healthy for the rest of my life. Right. But if you ask the same question to an elite runner, it will probably be a different answer. Oh, I mean, you, you hit people on the, the Olympic caliber of like, what would what are you willing to give up mm-hmm. if the answer is you have a gold medal? Yeah. And it's shocking. Yeah. What, what They're kind of willing answers? to give up 10 years of their life. Completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'll just, I'll cut 10 years off the back end of my life if you say I can get a gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the difference in the mentality right there. So back to strength training. Okay. Like, so with the rare exception, very rare exception, in my opinion, strength training is a benefit to all runners. I really do think that all runners should be strength training. But like I said before, there are different options. You don't have to be lifting really heavy weights, even though that's what a lot of people are advocating right now. There's a lot that you can do just with your body weight, like push-ups, um, planks. Like I've got like multiple strength circuits in our real life runners training Academy that just use body weight. There's absolutely no equipment necessary and you get a darn good workout. Yeah. You've done them. Before. Yes. Yes. They're very, very difficult. You can get a really challenging workout without having any equipment at all. Mm-hmm. The between the variety of pushups that you can throw in and variety of pull-ups that you can throw in, yeah. you can get a massive upper body workout. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and pushups and pull-ups, like those things are the basics and, but those are so functional. Like that's what, those are the things that you do in your life. You push things, you pull things, you lift things, you carry things like that's functional strength. Yeah. I forget the full quote, but there was like one of the, you know, best sprint, strength and conditioning coaches out there for like, he was the head strength and conditioning coach for the Olympic track and field athletes for like multiple Olympics in the row. And they're like, what do you, what do you do when you get to the gym? And he had four things and it was like, push things, pull things, Mm -hmm. I think carry things. And I forget what the fourth one was, but it was like, it was very limited in what it was. It was like, I have them push something, I have them pull something. Mm -hmm. And it's like the, the details, how much, how heavy that was not what he focused on. Mm -hmm. Like when he was you know, lecturing and giving big presentations, have your athletes lift something, have your athletes push something, have them pull something, Mm -hmm. get these major motions. And if they can tackle those, that's, you're doing pretty darn well. You're doing pretty good. Yeah. My only issue with that mentality, those are good, especially if it's done in a very functional way. Okay. Because then the body does have to move as a whole. My issue with like some of the machines at the gym is that they try to isolate one muscle and so they're moving the the joint or that muscle through like one plane of motion like just doing like for example a bicep curl okay you basically if you're holding a weight down and you bend your elbow to like bring your hand up towards your shoulder that's a bicep curl and so there's a machine at the gym where you where you sit on it and you essentially rest the back of your arm on a platform and then you're that's all you're doing you're just trying to isolate you know, bending the elbow up and down, back and forth. And so when you do those types of machines, the rest of your body doesn't have to work to stabilize you. So like even just switching from the machines to a dumbbell and doing the same motion is going to give you better results with the dumbbell because your the rest of your body is actually working to stabilize yourself. Well, yeah, because if on the machine you can only go forward and backwards mm-hmm. with a dumbbell, if you're not stabilized correctly, that dumbbell is swinging slightly left and right. Right. Like you can take the dumbbell and as you bring it to the top, you can then twist your arm in mm-hmm. and out. But you have to try to maintain a straight line range of motion. Right. The machine won't let you leave the straight line. Exactly. And so the machines can be helpful if you're trying to rehab a particular muscle. That's and what I was just gonna say. Yeah. 
and you need to isolate that specific thing or if you're really just trying to hone in on that one muscle for you know whatever reason i want to just build up my sartorius because it looks cool when you take a picture (laughs) there's not a good machine to just isolate that one dang it (laughs) you gotta love the sartorius um that was definitely one of the favorites that in pt school so it it sounds like a superhero well no it's because it sounds like sartorius like a, a 90s hip-hop rap song yes it does Mm -hmm. so anyway um strength training back to strength training back to strength yes um lots of benefits you should be doing strength training in order to help improve the stability the strength and the power while you're running okay so to to that end to improve strength and power should we focus on upper lower upper and lower core like how do I mix this in? Because I, I feel like there's some people, um, I know that I was one of them. Like the strength routine when I was on the team in college, I hated going to the weight room because the cross country team had the weight room at the same time as the hockey guys. Mm. And so That's I'm in different. there. Yeah, very. So. And literally all I had to do, I took out like my folder and I had to be like, okay, these are the weights that I lifted today and no one messed with me. Like the strength guy in there was not going to come over there and like yell at me and like make sure I was doing anything. I came in, I, I did my stuff and then I left, but like literally three feet to my left is like a hockey player trying to bench press his max. And the, the strength conditioning coach is like six inches from his face screaming at him like, you got this one more push it. And I'm like, I, I can't be here. This is not, this is not where I'm going to go left. Like, mm-hmm. and I can't, I still have that in the back of my head when I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to a gym. Like, let's just, let's buy some stuff and have it in the garage mm-hmm. because in my mind, that's still what happens in a gym. Yeah. And I know that it's not, but I still have that feeling. So where, how do I kind of plan all this stuff in? If I want to get a couple of strength strength sessions in during the week and some speed and a long run, Mm -hmm. suddenly my days are filling up. Right. So where do you schedule them? Or is it guess and check? I mean, the easy answer is you could join the Real Life Runners Training Academy. Okay, fine. <laughs> and we can help plan it all out for you um, because that is definitely something that we help with. Because like you said, it, it can get overwhelming and it can be like, how do I fit all of this in? Um, and so one of the things that I like to do is um, combination moves and like more compound types of movement where you're using more than one muscle at the same time. So for example, like a squat or a um, reverse lunge and body bicep curl at the same time or a burpee is like a very compound movement like where you're getting legs arms core power you know dynamic like jumping like all in one type of exercise and you're not going to want to do that every day of course um but kind of sprinkling those throughout the the week so that you're making sure that you do hit your upper body your core your lower body your glutes your your back muscles, you know, like all of these things are super important for us to address as runners because, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't really need to, to lift arms, it, you know, run, arms don't help me with running, but yes, they do because you, <laughs> yes, they do. you swing your arms back and forth and it's your arm's job to counterbalance what's going on in your legs. So if your arms are not strong, then you're just going to feel awkward and I mean come on everyone wants to have arms that like look muscular you don't really want like spaghetti arms spaghetti arms yeah spaghetti arms or flabby arms or however you want to describe it but like 
people like muscle and like having arms that like look muscular. I think most people would want that. Um, so that's a great, that's a great reason for me right there. But you know, the plank is a very, is a compound exercise. If you do the plank correctly, you're going to hit your shoulder muscles, your arm muscles, your core, your back, your glutes, your thighs. Like I, I tell my people like, squeeze everything when you're in plank you should be squeezing your thighs you should be like both like squeezing your quads to try to straighten and lock out your knees you should be squeezing your your legs together you should be squeezing your tush your stomach like your shoulder like all of it should be active and engaged well, it's funny when you do the plank is you can start seeing where your weak spot is because it's the thing that starts like shaking and trembling mm-hmm. the earliest yeah. and then you're like okay well that's that's hurting so i guess my shoulders are really 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 tight so then you focus on trying to like contract your abs and it takes some of the pressure off of your shoulders and you're like okay but now that's shaking on me but my arms stop so now you're gonna kind of put it back more into your arms and Mm -hmm. then tighten up your legs and see if you can like push down with your toes into the ground as though somehow that's going to transfer a lot of the force back there and it does yeah it works so you move up and down the body of trying to transfer the forces all over the place you can see how many muscles you're getting Mm -hmm. as you just kind of hold a plank position right and then you can also see how well you're able to actually just relax in that position and I don't mean like relax by completely let go because I do think that like you need to have your muscles engaged fully when you're performing an exercise like this but you can kind of try to like get your mind like to just relax and almost try to meditate I know people are probably going to like laugh at me for saying that like who who actually meditates in a plank and I, I have like I've tried to just kind of like let my mind just kind of drift and not focus too much and I'm still very aware of my position, my um, form during it, because you never want your hips to like start to drift up in the air and you never want your stomach to start drifting down so that you're arching your back. Like you want to make sure that you're maintaining that good form. But like, you know, I did a plank challenge a couple of months ago where I built up to doing a five minute plank and that is not an easy task. So I, I couldn't just like stare at the timer at the clock the whole time. I had to kind of like let my mind just kind of go off and do whatever it wanted to do and to kind of get into that like focused but unfocused state. Yeah, I mean, you're still certainly engaged. It's like trying yeah. to do quarter mile repeats. If right. you're trying to do like, you know, 20 quarter mile repeats, you're Oof. not focused the entire time. Like you got to tune out for a little while. You're still using everything. You're still cranking through, mm-hmm. but you, you got to let the mind wander because if you start counting at rep one, it's it's really mentally tough to get right. through the whole thing. Right. So, you know, when you're doing strength training, like it's definitely important to hit all the muscles of the body. And when you also do it, you can do it with the intent to help improve your form and things that you can use to help improve your form are like back strengthening exercises, like the plank, like the bridge, like things that will strengthen your backside to help keep you upright for a longer period of time. Um, anything you do where you're just like holding a position, like a static hold is going to help build the endurance in those postural muscles because it's those muscles like in your back that are trying to keep you upright while you're running and as you fatigue and you start to kind of like round the shoulders out and those muscles like they start to get tired and so they're not they're not doing their job so trying to like really improve your posture on a daily basis is going to help you both you know with your neck and back pain and then also in your running 
Right. And so finally, I think on, on strength training here, um, similar to mobility is it's nice to have a, a starting point mm-hmm. of trying to figure out where your weaknesses are and then slowly build from there. Like don't just jump into crazy lifts. You know, you, you point out the benefits of some of the compound lifts that you've got, but you can't just leap into something where you're moving like several muscles and pushing it in all mm-hmm. sorts of things. Like you got to make sure that you've got the proper form for some yes. of these lifts before you can move to the higher levels. Start basic, start with body weights start with mm. simple motions to make sure that you've got the motion right. before you try and do things like adding extra weight or adding compound movements yeah and if you can't do the motion as it's supposed to be done you need to modify it also and don't be afraid to modify it like if you can't do a burpee like a burpee is a very difficult motion and um you know movement and it needs to be done correctly or you could get hurt so if you can't do a burpee with proper form don't do a burpee you need to modify that and there are different ways that you you can modify a burpee. You can do it with your hands against a wall. Like I, I just saw that one the other day in one of my continuing education courses, which I thought was a great idea. I had never seen that variation of it before. But like there are slow burpees that you can do where like if you're in a plank position, you step forward with one foot, you step forward with the other foot, you stand up. And then you get back down and then you step back, step back and you're in a plank. Like you don't have to do, you know, the the full push up where you like jump you know, forward and then jump up in the air and then jump back down. Like that's a lot of jumping and that can be tough on the body. So don't be afraid to modify these things and meet yourself where you are. Yes. Meet yourself where you are. That's it's a good answer with, with both strength and mobility. You've Mm got to know where you're at and then work from that position. Right. So let's, let's wrap this up as we uh, approach the one hour mark here. Um, I know I thought this was going to be a shorter episode. Me too. (laughs) We just kept going. So let's, let's wrap this up. So if you run, you are a runner And not only are you a runner, you are an athlete. And if you want to improve your running, if you want to try to start treating and avoiding all these aches and pains that can come up as a runner, you need to start thinking of yourself as an athlete and start acting like it. Like you need to put in the work. This is not just going to happen automatically for you. No, it's it's avoiding the unathletic runner. Like be the athlete. Don't just say, oh, I, I just run. I'm not that athletic. Yes, you are. If you're if you are a runner, that means you're an athlete. Act that way and put in the work. That means putting in yes, the miles, but also putting in the strength work, putting in the mobility work, and taking care of yourself mm-hmm. so that you don't get as much aches and pains. Or if you do, you know how to deal with them. Right. Because if you are listening to this podcast, chances are you want to improve your running. That's probably why you're listening. You want Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably not the the runner that just goes out and runs the same loop at the same pace every single day and just you know that's just what you do like if you're listening to this you're probably thinking to yourself that you'd like to improve or there's some sort of issue or problem that you'd like a solution to and the name of this episode is avoiding aches and pains or something to that effect depending on how we name it when we actually (laughs) stop recording hit the save button yeah but you know so maybe you have aches and pains right now that you're dealing with or you have had them in the past and you don't want them to come back. And if that's you, you need to put in this work. Like you can't just think to yourself like, oh, if I run and if I do this, then I'll be fine. Like you need to strength train. You need to make sure that you're doing the mobility work. You need the recovery and the self-care and taking that time off, taking the rest day 
days doing the foam rolling like you need to think of running as a whole and there's a lot of runners that just are like oh that takes too much time like I don't want to do that well okay then you're not going to get the results that you want. Right. You don't have to do that. You don't. You, you could stay right where you're at right. and continue doing what you're doing. But if you want to actually get faster, it's going to hurt. And in order to deal with that, you've got to then have the appropriate recovery and, you know, take all of the measures necessary to actually move yourself forward. Like if you want to move the needle, you got to actually put in the work to move it. Right. Because it's, it, some of it is going to hurt a little bit and it will make you achy and sore, but we don't want those aches and soreness to turn into pain and injury. And that's where all of this stuff comes in is, is to, you know, aches and soreness, that's all kind of a part of it. Like you got to get used to that if you want to get stronger and be, you know, get faster and see really, really try to challenge yourself and see where you can go. But pain and injury, that's a different story. Those are the things that we want you guys to avoid so that you can just keep running however it is that you want to run and really be able to see what you're capable of. All right. So speaking of people that are trying to see what they're capable of, I think that leads us perfectly into our runner of the week. Runner of the week. Woo. (laughs) And this week's runner of the week is Marsha Cassidy. Woo. There it is. (laughs) So congratulations, Marsha. Marsha just ran um, a turkey trot a couple of weeks ago and she crushed it. She placed second in her age group. Nice work. Yeah. And she is just doing so great. Um, So when we contacted Marsha to let her know that we've chosen her as the runner of the week, this was her response. She said, thank you for the honor of being runner of the week. I look forward to the podcast each week. There is so much good information and I feel like Kevin and Angie are good friends. I also enjoy being part of the RLR Training Academy. The Training Academy gives me a plan well-suited for my abilities and helps me hold myself accountable. Without a training plan, I was just going out there and running as far or as fast as I could. I didn't feel like I was making any progress and didn't know how to fix it. Now I have a real plan. I especially like running intervals. I had never challenged myself like this before and find it so rewarding. I feel accomplished after each workout and I'm starting to see the results. I know I'm in good hands. I look forward to more achievements in 2020 and watching the rest of the tribe crush their goals as well. Thanks again, Marsha. Thank you, Marsha, so much like for your kind words there. We are so happy that you are already seeing results with your training plan and being a part of the academy. And we're just so excited to see what you're going to do this year because I, you know, Marsha was actually a member of um, our old membership program and she was so consistent. I loved seeing her, you know, check off her runs each week, each day. She was so super consistent with that. And I know that you're going to be the same way this time around. And you're just going to to really crush your goals um, with this new training plan that we've got for you. It's going to be pretty awesome to watch. And I love that she's out there looking to make sure that everybody else is crushing their goals too. Yeah, she is. And she's super supportive in this tribe you know like if people have questions she'll be one to to chime in and with support and you know cheering other people on and that's so important in the running community and that's one of the things that I think sets runners apart from a lot of other athletes is that there is just this sense of camaraderie and support and um you know just love for running and trying to just share that with other people that love running too and connect with people in that way 
So congratulations, Marsha. Continue to go out there and just, you know, run your life and, and just keep seeing what you're capable of because I think it's a lot more than you even realize. Of course it is. All right. So that concludes our episode this week. I Ooh, made that Thanks very for making formal. it all the way to the end. Yeah. Seriously, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. If you've made it this far, we applaud you. And if you're not yet a member of our Facebook tribe, you should head over to rlrtribe.com to request access to be a part of our Facebook group because, like I said, it is an awesome group of people that are all there to support um, each other and cheer each other on in their running journey. And if you're a little bit curious about what we were talking about with our Real Life Runners Training Academy that we referred to a couple of times within this episode, you can head over to rlrtrainingacademy.com and sign up for our waiting list so that you will be the first to know when we reopen the doors in January for our signature program, the, the Training Academy. It is a great, great program. We help to create a plan that's right for you to help you set your goals, achieve your goals, figure out where your strengths and your weaknesses are, um, and really get you on a path and a running journey that's going to be right for you. So as always, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 118. Now get out there and run your life. <laughs>